The grind continues. It's episode 26 of For Our Edification. All right, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me on uh, part two of this great uh, conversation with Joel Goodman, the CEO of Bravery Media and co-host of the Thought Feeder podcast. The views and opinions expressed on For Our Edification do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the hosts, guests, or any entities with which we are affiliated. That last answer. Okay, so you gave me a lot to chew on there. Is, is it fair, though? Let me, let me ask you this. Is it yeah. fair to say okay this is our strategic plan because i've been in this spot before where i've said hey this is our strategic plan as an institution let's talk about what we want the website to do based on our strategic plan and and, and of course you don't sink 100 percent of your website strategy into that sure but you at least know that if your goal is to say if you if fundraising is a is a major part of your strategic plan. You know that at least you want to do something with the website that's going to angle you a little bit, give you more of an advantage in fundraising, knowing that you do want students. Um, if if part of your strategy, if part of your strategic plan is we want to make sure that we have a tighter pipeline um, for our accounting, you know, majors to the big to the big accounting firms. Sure. You know, you know, you at least want to, or at least we want to make sure we have tighter, uh, tighter uh, pipelines to our employers, our employment partners. You at least know that you want to do something with the website that's going to angle it in that direction. And that does kind of ward off some of the internal politics of, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know, the quantum, the, the quantum physics professor just right. got this two million dollar grant and and he is standing in the door of the office going you better put this on the web on the home page of the website i want a link on the right. page of the website so is is it fair to say if you look at your strategic plan that could guide you in a direction to make your website that's something more usable and actually makes a little bit more sense i think yes uh the the part there that's difficult is that you still need staff that is thinking strategically about how the website can do that because oh, the yeah, traditional yeah. you know that knowledge competition thing again like the the traditional mindset is like well yeah we need to do fundraising so let's put a big old a big old appeal on the on the homepage let's change out the hero image and let's put a big old floating box it's like give now give now but what you're not thinking about is are you are you trying to gain more fundraising from the homepage at the expense of your other goals like enrollment? And so Got like it. most most institutions can't afford to have a fundraising campaign go, but then also lose enrollment, right? You have to you're trying to maintain the enrollment figure while increasing the the fundraising dollars. And when a prospective student lands on your homepage and just sees a bunch of give, 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 give messaging, they're thinking, Oh, this school is insolvent. They are not mm. going to be around long enough. Mm. Can I tr can I trust them to to stick around because it looks like they're hard up for cash. Like they something must be going on, right? They don't prospective students don't think like we do on the back end. They know nothing about mm. our structures, they know nothing about our org chart, they know nothing about how money is raised and how money is spent within the institution. And, and to and, some degree they don't care. And to some degree, they don't care until it feels like something negative, right? Until they right. actually yeah. see it. And so if 
if those things like undermining uh undermining your your enrollment and marketing messaging uh with with fundraising stuff or you know or with a bunch of bunch of news stories that people don't care about or uh you know the the like the idea the quantum the quantum physics professor needing a link on it like it's not necessarily a bad thing but are you then saying to the 99% of, of prospective students hitting your website that don't care about quantum physics and don't want to go into that program that you don't offer anything to them? Are they like looking at your website and like, well, this isn't relevant to me. So I'm like, this is obviously not the place I want to be. There are so many marketing realizations that we have to, that we have to balance um, and figure out what that mix is. And the challenges as you have experienced and as I have experienced, as I'm sure you know, countless other higher ed marketing pros have experienced is that eventually you get worn down, you know, someone's saying like, do this. And you're like, well, you haven't listened to me before. So I might as well just do this and not get into a fight. And, and Eddie, honestly, that's why I started my agency was the last institution I was at. I was so tired of fighting for every little obvious thing that needed to happen on the web. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to have the weeks long conversation anymore about why this is the thing we needed to do. Like it should be obvious. You should be trusting your web strategy people, um, your web marketers, because they know what's going on. And so, uh, you know, on the flip side, so, uh, you know, what can you do with the website to help the fundraising thing? Well, here's the thing with fundraising. Um, and you know, a lot of this I've, I've learned from my friend, Ashley Budd, who works at Cornell. Um, I spent a little bit of time in advancement early in my career. The homepage of the website is not where people go to find out how to give to your school or to learn about how to give to your school. In fact, alumni don't generally go to the homepage of your website unless you are sending them an email or a text message with a link to that homepage. That's not what's in their head on a day-to-day basis. They have lives that do not revolve around your institution. And so the strategy isn't if we put it on the website, they will come. They don't care. They're not looking for it. They, they're not paying attention. It's if you reach out to them with an email or a text message or however that one-on-one yeah. communication is and drive them to the thing you want to drive them to, they will come to it. And a lot of times that shouldn't be your homepage. That should be a custom it should be you know within your alumni site or your alumni giving portal or whatever it is that you use for fundraising and it should be optimized for giving conversion rates not optimized for enrollment management conversion rates not optimized for you know all these other things that you need to do to support other financial areas of the institution and that's the thing everyone with their infinite knowledge of what website strategy needs to be when they aren't website marketing people think that the homepage is the most important thing for everything. But if the homepage is trying to address everyone, it doesn't address anyone. It's not, it's, it's just watering down every message and is ineffective in general. Um, And that's what, and that's the thing that, that's the thing that needs to be realized. It's, it's a lack of trust or it's an overcompensation of ego and i don't know which one it is but like if you're if your leadership isn't trusting the people in the marcom office to do the jobs that they need to do to achieve the goals that the institution has then your marketing office is never going to be as effective as it could be and those people are just going to get frustrated and burnt out and eventually leave because they're not being listened to they're not being able to do their actual job they're just pulling, you know, they're, they're just doing what someone else has told them to do that doesn't know as much as them. And that's so a frustrating place. 
brutally honest, a brutally honest question here. Is that what happened to you? Did you burn out? I I think yes. Um, I, well, I don't know. I I was young, so I feel like I had a little bit more of a a little bit more of a tether on uh, how like you know the fuse was a lot longer, and I don't know that I completely yeah. got to the to the burnout yeah. phase. I had I had finished a I'd finished a master's degree, and I I think I was burned out on the place that I was. I felt like I had done everything that I could do and I was just tired of fighting and I wanted to work on more projects than just one that <laughs> took me, you know, I built six websites or eight websites in six months, um, pretty much on my own. Yeah. It's wow. ridiculous. Um, while in grad school and I was tired, I was so tired and, yeah. you know, and it was like, I finished sometime before, think or like a couple months before Thanksgiving. And like the one thing that I remember is my wife and I were going to drive to her folks for Thanksgiving. And I remember I was packing up my, my stuff, like getting ready to go home so we could get ahead of some weather. And my boss called me in the office and said, you know, I noticed that you've only been working uh, 40 hours a week and on salary, like that's, that's just like the starting point. And I was like, excuse me, do you know how many hours I put in for eight months straight or six months straight while, while I was re like building these websites for you? Like, no, <laughs> wow. you don't pay me enough to be in the office more than 40 hours a week. Um, and the benefits definitely weren't good enough to be in the office for, for more than 40 hours a week. Wow. Um, wow. And I was the only web person, you know, like it was, yeah. and, and it was, it was a big institution. So I think it was, uh, I probably it probably was burnout. I don't think I realized it at the time. Yeah. Um, but you know, the solution was moving away from Chicago to Austin, Texas, and starting an agency. So yeah, maybe it was burnout. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but but that uh, I'm and this is something I've been I've been reading up on uh, because you know uh, I'm a member of American Marketing Association, yeah, and you know so the higher ed marketers who are in AMA, we have had a constant conversation going yeah. about this. And so it's gotten to a point where and I'm like, well, let, let me read about this because we, we keep talking about it. And I I would say, um, I would say that burnout is something that kind of creeps up on you. Mm. You don't necessarily realize you're checking all the boxes from what I'm reading. And so, it, it makes sense. It makes sense that you, you know, you, that you would say that. I'm not exactly sure if that was the thing, yeah. but I mean, I think what what people and, and I always tell people this. This is one of the difficulties of hiring marketing, and and I know for anybody who's listening, that that's just like, man, he's talking about how difficult the job is. And the reason I keep talking about how difficult the job is is because people don't think the job is difficult. They actually right. think it's a very easy job. Yeah. Um, and they really think that what we're doing is we're sitting around throwing pencils up in the ceiling all day, you know, coming up with really, you know, wacky ideas and, and doing some nice, pretty stuff. But but when you're asking. When a team of people realizes that they have to be much more strategic than they are, yeah. then we are all think we're all using so much more brain power and we are all working so much harder to collaborate. And and not only collaborate within the team, but we're working harder to collaborate throughout campus. And one thing that I keep saying, and I'm going to die on this hill, I've heard so many people say, well, if colleges ran more like a business, then blah, blah, blah. You, you, you don't actually need colleges to run like a business. You need them to run more like a very efficient city. That's yeah. what you really need uh, because we're cities within cities. And 
And what you have to figure out, though, what does the efficient city model look like? Um, And that's not all that easy because, honestly, your students are your citizens and they're kind of an uncontrolled group. And so... (laughs) You know, you so when people say just run it like a business, you have to account for this group of people who are with who are within the walls of your business who are not being paid by the business. They're actually, you know, they're actually something that's that's actually helping your business run. Right. Um, and so I, th- I think that's what some of these I think that's what makes it such a complicated job. And I think when people I think when people come in. And uh, and they and they just have these visions of creating really cool logos, and they have these visions of just doing really cool stuff on a website. And they're gonna grab the student influencers and get the student influencers, and they do not know how uncooperative students can be, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so or unreliable in cases when they do, when they're not ready for that. I think that's when the mar- the job in higher ed marketing and on the communication yeah. side becomes a very difficult job when you just don't see all of that coming or when you have people coming in um, at the leadership levels and they're the ones who are thinking, well, this is really easy. Why don't you just tell your webmaster to go ahead and update these next 500 pages by next week? Right. And, right. but they don't realize that's what they're asking for. You know, the, the way they're asking a question is why aren't the pages updated? Well, yeah, and and you know, on antiquated software that you yeah. know was purchased ten years ago and hasn't really been updated, and with a person that you know isn't necessarily an expert at that content management system or that process, yeah. and in you know, and that's different everywhere. But it, there's there's that modernization part that makes everything harder. You know, it 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 decreases that efficiency of your city, and then to add on to that, Eddie, I think one of the one of the things that makes higher ed marketing really hard is that you're managing the reputation of a giant organization that's supposed to be doing public good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think outside of marketing, people chalk that up to your PR agency. That's, you know, that's on retainer in case something bad happens, but they're the people <laughs> that are doing the everyday stuff. And, you know, one of the, one of the episodes that we had on thought feeder that, that uh, stuck with me was with, um, our friend Ella Dawson, who she she used to run social media for TED Talks. Yeah. And this was one fairly early in the series where we we really dug into the pressures and stresses that go on to especially the social media side of marketers and higher ed. And those are the things people don't realize. So, you know, the the folks on the front lines that are on social media that are, you know dealing with the communities and figuring out where the communities are like they're getting the brunt of all the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you're in a marketing position and all you're hearing is negative, 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 that contributes to uh, a lot of mental stress and it's overall like can definitely affect your health. And we, we saw that a lot during the pandemic. That was one of those common themes that we tried to talk about a bit on the podcast. Um, and we heard a lot from the community and and folks that we knew uh, around higher ed marketing and especially higher ed social. And um, it's one of those things that that you know they're not paid enough uh, <laughs> to deal with everyone's trauma, uh, you know, and and be traumatized themselves by everyone's trauma. And they're not recognized nearly enough for that kind of stress and that kind of work that happens. 
and uh, you know that's frustrating. And and I think it expands in other ways to the rest of the rest of the Marcom team. You know, it's it's the folks that are having to do the PR stuff. It's the folks that are um, having to make sure that you know there aren't side conversations, negative conversations happening about your institution. They're the ones that have to you know make sure that the random thing that was funny but may not look good on the you know on uh, or reflect well on the institution that some student did last weekend is something that you know that is that's taken care of and it's it's a big job it's it's a really big job and it's not an easy job because as you said like when you're managing a bunch of citizens and a, a kind of uncontrolled unreliable population like there are surprises every single day and those get in the way of the rest of the work that you have to do as marketer. Um, and so there's never enough time, there's never enough money, there's never enough staffing and it makes the job extremely difficult. A couple of times in previous answers, you mentioned ego. Did any of the guests on Thought Feeder indicate or imply at any point that they felt that ego made their jobs difficult? Yes. Uh, I think more on the imply. I don't think anyone was yeah. explicit in saying that, um, except maybe me, because uh, <laughs> I've talked about that for a long time. Uh, but I'm outside of higher. I mean, kind of. I'm not at, on a campus right now. So, um yeah, I, I think it. I think it came up um, in subtler ways. I mean, that's that's one of those things that you know, like you're like the mug we sent you. Like, um, I, I think that's one of the ones people shied away from saying that they shouldn't say. Uh, but uh, yeah, I probably <laughs> said something I shouldn't have on Thought Feeder. <laughs> yeah, JS came up with that, and I was like, "That's very good, JS. It's it's perfect. Perfect. Um, I was gonna say it's perfect. Yeah. actually, yeah." And so. Uh, I think the I think the ego thing came into play and it's you know, it's a lot of the job is relationship management um, mm -hmm. <laughs> internally and externally, but definitely internally. And, you know, I remember my my first institutional job like was actually even when I was a student working, we had when I was an undergrad, we had a student run music festival and a big part of my job when I was director of the music festival was just managing administrative relationships wow. making sure they weren't really oh yeah it was I, it was a big learning experience but it was, making, it was yeah it was making sure the you know the vp of student affairs the actually senior vp of student affairs was uh you know was happy and understood what was going on and felt appreciated in in uh, what we were doing and it was making sure that none of the administrative flack like came back on our staff because it was all student run you know we were 50 students putting on a a three-day music festival and wow. um it was it was an interesting it was an interesting role to play and then eventually well, i eventually worked at that institution and so like it paid off but then when i moved to the last institutional job that i had it was like full force, like, okay, I had to build bridges between marketing and IT because like I needed mm. that relationship in place. Um, I needed to build relationships with enrollment management because, you know, the walling off and siloing stuff that was going on. Um, but I also needed to make sure that I had enough political capital or relational capital invested that when I needed to mouth off about something because it needed to get done, that I wasn't going to get in too much trouble. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, it was very strategic, but a lot of that was a lot of that was ego play. It was making sure that like people felt like they were involved. I mean, honestly, in the work that that I do now, Eddie, like it's a lot of times it's 
you think about when you go into like a website discovery process, right? Like you want to go in and figure out like, what do we need to do for this website? A big part of that is every institution wants everyone on campus to be involved. Not literally, but you know, they want like, you end up with a committee of like 25 people sometimes that- we need to put together a committee, an interest committee, and da, 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 da. all these and, people that think they're experts on the website need to be involved in the committee, right? <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, my favorite one is: Hold on, is someone from athletics on this? Is somebody? <laughs> is, nobody from student affairs is on this. Wait a minute, right. is somebody from? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you got someone from like people from everywhere, and that like that's. I was about to say that's fine. It's not fine, but there are ways to deal with it, and a big part of that. <laughs> They should not all be on there. But the way that we deal with that is it's it's listening. Like we go in, we listen to what they need to do. We make sure we communicate back to them. And a lot of times they don't want to be part of the process. They just want their voice heard or they want to feel yeah. like their voice has been heard. And so we make sure we hear their voice. If it's not going to work, we say like we make something up. You know, like we'll say like we're, we've taken that into account. We're focusing on these goals. We're going to see how we can work this in, but it might be something that we need to do further down the line after we can do some testing and things like that. But, you know, you find, you find ways to make sure that people have the feeling of being involved, have the feeling of being heard and listened in the process of doing a website redesign, for instance. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to say completely disregard what they what they asked for, but sometimes that sometimes you do. You're just you're not going <laughs> to use what they what they had. Um, but you want to make sure that they're not upset when when they find out that their ideas aren't going to be used, um, because not not everyone is a web marketer, not everyone is a social media marketer, not everyone is a traditional marketer, and the people that are in those roles shouldn't be just executing on what other people think they know, but don't actually, especially because they don't have all the information that marketers have. Yeah. So how did, how did the, the, the interviews that you conducted on thought feeder, how did that inform the work that you do now and how you work with campus uh, partners? Yeah, I think it, I think it has helped me kind of double down on a lot of the things. I mean, I'm a very confident person. I don't know if you can tell that through this, but uh, <laughs> I've been called arrogant. I, I I like to refer to it as confidence. I don't think I'm very arrogant, but I, I do make decisions based on a lot of research and a lot of data. And so like, I, I think the, the interviews that we had were like anecdotal research that I was doing for a lot of the, a lot of the work that we do. And so what I, what I've always kind of tried to do as, as an agency, you know, as an agency owner, as someone that comes in as a campus partner is support the really smart people in the marketing office and raise their profile up and um common refrain over the last decade plus of working in this industry especially among web marketers is that you had the exact same idea as the consultant that came in and, and like told them what to do right yeah. somehow leadership feels better about a consultant paying a consultant to come in and tell them what to do even when their staff like could be doing that job themselves, they they could have been the consultant if they had chosen a different path, right? <laughs> and so a lot of times I come in and I want to listen to the folks that are doing the everyday job and figure out, okay, what are your goals? What do you see as the challenges? Can we help make that better for you as we put processes in place? Because a lot of times it's just a lack of governance or it's a lack of uh, a lack of communication channels with with leadership and. So we, 
I, we, my team and I, we, we really try to make sure that the people that we're interfacing with every day aren't just getting something that's going to look good for their boss, but it's something that, that's going to be sustainable for them. That's hopefully going to make their jobs easier um, and and is going to elevate the ideas and thoughts and strategies that they have because they they know more than we do about the audiences, right? They know they know who the market is for that institution. We're going to learn that, but we're going to learn that through them. So why not try to elevate them up and and make sure that their their ideas are one attributed to them, even if we say like, hey, you should do this. We'll we'll put in the we'll put in the report that we give them like this is something that your staff has been saying and you should listen to them uh, because they know what they're talking about. And yeah, just the conversations that we had on Thought Feeder reinforced the, the I don't want to say reinforced level of intelligence. I knew that was there. Like, a, you know, all the people we had on are super smart um, and, and we knew they were super smart. But it's it's trying to it's trying to amplify those voices a little bit more because they're <laughs> we want to prevent burnout for them, I guess. I don't know. Like they're they're <laughs> they're just not listened to. Like they're not listened to within their own organizations. And it's a it's a frustrating place to be. And I've been there and I don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. And I don't want them to be there. <laughs> I, I just really I kind of want to go back to the ego thing, but I'm not going to. It's it's just I I I have some pretty <laughs> strong opinions about that. I really do. And so the thing is, all right, I'll say it. So the thing is it. this. Because because you just it just came up again, you know, the not people feeling as if they're not being listened to or they, they outright know they're not being listened to. And I think in higher ed, part of the complication is that you have a system set up that's based on the hierarchy of credentials. And I think I mean, because you have the PhDs and the PhDs kind of look down on the EDDs a little bit, but the, the yeah. PhDs definitely think they're at the top. They think they're at the very top of knowledge and all that other stuff in, in a lot of cases. I remember, I'll never forget this, that uh, my first job in higher ed, I had not gotten a master's yet. And I remember one of the professors, as a matter of fact, I think he was a marketing professor, but I was a PR, I was really the more on the PR side of the house at the time. And I remember he sat down one day and he said, well, well, what kind of degrees do you have? And I said, I got a bachelor's. He says, oh, I have a PhD. And then he went on to tell me his reasons for whatever he was telling me. And I said, yeah, but I've also been working in my field for like 20 years. Right. So it's it's not theoretical. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and, and that did not land well with him. I mean, like no. he he felt he looked insulted when I said that. And the only thing I could think was, well, how insulted do you think I feel? Because right, you, right. you just you just flat out told me that you have a bigger voice than I do in my area because of your credentials in your area. And and it's it's it doesn't even make sense. So Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. That, I mean, I I did my tough. master's degree for fun. Like I just I <laughs> wanted to go back to school and study something cool. And that's what I did. And you know, I'm, it was expensive, but like I like <laughs> I did it for fun. And it's funny because you get a master's degree. You can't even like, you can't even lord it over anyone, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the funniest thing. So I, so, and I'll, and I'll tell, I'll tell, this is the, so talk about something that stings. So twice in one week, literally twice in one week, I had people tell me, two people say, well, you know, an MPS is a BS degree. And I had to go, you know, I got an MPS, right? And they just, uh, uh, and I was just like, no, you already said what you said. So it's fine. But 
You know, I mean, and, I, and I, I kind of feel like in higher ed, like if you're offering a BS degree, um, <laughs> not, a not a bachelor of science, but like, you know, like a, yeah, a, a, a total, a, a degree that's uh, costing someone, you know, somewhere between 30 and 50 K and <laughs> it's, it's worthless. Uh, you shouldn't be talking about that. Like you yeah, should exactly. get rid of that degree because wow, are you like not, not doing anyone favors? Well, the other thing was, I was just like, well, I, I was like, but how do you even know you didn't even you don't you haven't done anything you, you right. don't you even you didn't even get into the you didn't even try to do the program so how would right. you know right and right and apparently their 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 thing was it, it, I guess they thought because it's an applied degree then it is worthless but to me the applied degrees are the most valuable ones because you're actually learning and applying this stuff as you go in your right. career and it's just that's what it was designed to do um but let's let's move on to the new podcast. So you, I, yeah. I want you to talk about Appendix B, and that's uh, a podcast that you do with your bravery media colleague Kristen Van Dorn. So tell us about it. What are we listening to? Yeah, so we saw a a gap in the higher ed, and and, and I say this like realizing how long this uh, this interview has been, this conversation has been, Eddie. But we saw a gap in the higher ed podcast market where there's nothing really <laughs> short form. Uh, so we, we wanted to do a 10 minute long, uh, podcast. And so essentially the concept is, uh, Kristen Van Dorn, whose bravery is head of client strategy and research. And I sit down every week and we have a 10 minute conversation about a topic that we think is pressing in higher ed. And, and it's really meant to be kind of a glimpse inside the thought processes as that happen at our agency and, and the conversations that we have at our agency, you know, a, a sort sort of behind the scenes look, I guess, at, at how we think through stuff on our own. So it's it's pretty uh, freewheeling. We've got a lot of different topics. Um, we're ten weeks in, so there's I think there's ten episodes comes out every Tuesday, um, and uh, Tuesday, Wednesday comes out every Wednesday. Sorry, our our producer releases it. it comes out every Wednesday, but uh, yeah, we we record we generally record Monday afternoon, and it comes out. Wednesday morning and um, quick little, like I said, 10 minute episode where, you know, you can do it. You can listen to it at the gym. You can listen to it on a walk. You can listen to it in your car if it's quick, but um, pretty fun. I like it. Uh, you can search Appendix B wherever uh, you, it's, it's on all the, all the podcasting platforms, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn and I post all the links and some short videos. It's also on um, YouTube does a new video podcasting thing, like, like a legit video podcasting thing now. So, um, if you go to youtube.com slash at bravery media, you can watch videos if that's your thing. Uh, but yeah, Appendix B from Bravery Media. <laughs> Outstanding stuff. Man, thank you for a great conversation, Joe. Really, really appreciate it. Joe Goodman, who is the principal and CEO of Bravery Media, co host of the Dearly Departed Thought Theater podcast. But it's you still okay. find it. It's still out there. I'm leaving, I'm leaving there. it up. I'm leaving it up indefinitely. So I might it might switch to a new uh new hosting company but it's it'll be up indefinitely <laughs> <laughs> very cool joe thank you so much for joining me for our edification yeah thanks eddie i appreciate you and uh and and always always love having conversations with you so thanks for having me on so i'm gonna go ahead and um end this on uh kind of a personal note so when i recorded this episode with joel i was working at an institution that i loved working at doing work that i absolutely love i have a thing for higher ed marketing and communications that just won't quit and so um 
since I recorded that interview, um, I've left that institution and it is definitely something that I necessarily wanted. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen, but it had to happen and it had to happen because it got to a point where every day I came home and I had nothing left to give. You know, I had sunken so much energy into that work. Now, you can easily say, well, Eddie, you know, that, that's your fault. You got to make time for yourself. But let me remind you of something. Remember how during the interview I mentioned that um, being on a college campus is like being in a small city? Well, cities don't sleep, right? There's always something going on in the city, even in small towns. They don't necessarily sleep all the time. Stuff happens in the middle of the night that you least expect. And that's what happens on a college campus. As a matter of fact, where I was twice in one week, we had power outages and they did not happen at convenient times. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, when you work in marketing and communications at a college, you get that phone call at three in the morning that something happened with a student. You get that call at four in the morning uh, that something is wrong with the website. You have the social media person who's having to adjust their social media schedule they're basically not really getting a whole lot of rest because social media is going and going and going and going all the time. The communication specialist is getting a phone call from me, the director saying, Hey, listen, I need you to handle this. I know that it's close to midnight, but I need to, I need you to handle this because we got to get it done by tomorrow morning. And it just came up three hours ago. That is what the work is like. Now, <clears throat> I'm not looking for you to say, Oh man, Eddie, you really went through it. That's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for you to understand is that the reason that we do this work is that we believe so much in the missions of these colleges and universities. I work at three HBCUs, so you know there's a huge mission that I believe in. When somebody asked me about the mission of one HBCU where I worked, I said, this mission tells me that this institution is part of the intellectual center of black America. So what that means when you take a look at what we do in what we call Marcom, when you take a look at the work that we do, we sink our souls into this thing because we believe so much in it. And you, you get that, that smile on your face when a commencement happens and you see these students get their degrees and they turn their tassels and they move on to something else. And then you get an email or a phone call from this alum who says, I remember you when you were at such and such college or such and such university. I want you to know you did something for me. And he's sitting there going, I inspired you. How did I do that? I was working on Twitter. What's the deal? But you never know with these citizens of this small city, these students, you never know what you do that's going to touch their lives. And that's where all that energy comes from. And that's where all that energy goes. So the next time you run into someone and they tell you that they do something related to marketing or communications at a college or a university, I hope that they have your undying respect. Again, many thanks to my man, Joel Goodman, uh, for joining me on this episode of For Our Edification, or at least these two episodes of For Our Edification. If you want to hear the past episodes of Thought Feeder, then go to thoughtfeederpod.com. If you want to learn about the work that Joel does at Bravery Media, go to bravery.co. Those links are in the show notes. And again, uh, go check out the past episodes of For Our Edification. All you got to do is go to my website, eddiefrancis.com. Please download the episodes 
get them from your favorite podcast platform rated give us comments we would love to see all of that speaking of we for the very lovely dr Helene malik francis i'm eddie francis thank you so much for joining me on this episode of for our edification